if you'd like to follow along with where we have been, where we're journeying in the book of Acts, we will be in the book of Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 23. We're going to read a story about a riot. (laughs) How timely. I'm really thankful for the Bible, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I hope you all are too. We, we are being helped. I want you to know that every moment in which you could experience confusion in this world, every moment you don't know what to think or where to turn, I am telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you, there is a God that you can turn to for clarity. There is a God that you can turn to for hope. His presence by His Spirit the scriptures that have been handed down to us, truths that we believe about God, we have. We have them, we have them, we have them. We are being helped. Man, I am being reminded of that constantly. Is we have a helper, we have an advocate, and his name is Jesus. And it's true. And it is true and it's real. And it's important. That being said, Acts chapter 19 starting at verse 23, is our story today. It's a bit of a long one, but I'd like to read it for us. Excuse me. By the way, the whole, my whole sermon today stems from this first verse, so tune in right now. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called the businessmen together, along with the workers in the related trades, and said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in particularly the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger, not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Holy cow, people. When they heard this, they were furious, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some were shouting another. Most of the people did not know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front, and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense for the people. But when they realized that he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, fellow Ephesians, 
Doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. After he had said this, he had dismissed, he had, he dismissed the assembly. And we'll stop there. Um, it's a wild story, isn't it? Kind of crazy. I'd like to share some thoughts about it. As I already mentioned, I believe the most notable part of the story is what Luke, Luke is the author of Acts. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and also the book of Acts. Scholars would view the book of Acts as a continuation of Luke's gospel. We can view them as one big book, by the way, which is why we read the Gospel of Luke during our prayers of the people. Anyhow, Luke does a job for us. He discerns why there was a riot in the first place. He discerns that, and it's what he says in verse 23 there was a great disturbance about the way. That's why there was a riot, is because there was a great disturbance about the way. And I don't want us to miss this. People became disturbed and disrupted by those who were going the way of Jesus. Consider that for just a moment, that people who were doing their best to follow and imitate Jesus Christ, who was God incarnate on the earth, Prince of Peace, embodiment of holy perfection, people who were trying to imitate that person became a disturbance to some people. Interesting. How can this be? Well, this is so because of what the grace and mercy of God in Christ does to a person who encounters it and allows it to shape and mold their lives. We just read the story in Acts. We know that a riot transpired in Ephesus. And we're going to circle back to Demetrius in just a moment. But we're going to bounce back and forth from a couple of passages here. We're going to get back to Demetrius, but what I'd like to do is look at the book of Ephesians. And here's why, is because Paul wrote Ephesians, and this riot happened in Ephesus. It was the Ephesians. So, we're in Peoria, we can be called Peorians. In Ephesus are the Ephesians. And so the book of Ephesians is a letter to the people in Ephesus. And I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And once again, this is a letter that Paul wrote, the same Paul in the book of Acts, wrote to the people in Ephesians, the same people who did this riot. 
And this letter was written and sent several years after the riot took place. Give or take, you know, a year. Several. (laughs) This is what Paul's letter to the people in Ephesus says a couple years after this riot. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Stay with me. We're going to bounce back to the book of Acts and Demetrius, who was a silversmith who instigated the riot against Paul and the followers of the way because he knows that more people following God means less people following Artemis, means less silver shrines that Demetrius needs to sell, and less shrines that Demetrius gets to sell means that Demetrius gets less money. Demetrius knows this, and so he incites a riot. Back to Paul and his letter. I want you to imagine Paul sitting down with his notepad or his laptop or his typewriter. I don't know what Paul had. Obviously, none of those things. Sits down and writes this letter, preparing his mind to write a letter to the Ephesians. And he thinks back a couple years ago about Demetrius. And he remembers the mob of angry people. And he writes this. I'm paraphrasing. Remember that time that you let the logic of this world make you mad at me? Remember when your desires were selfish. Nonetheless, God has brought you back to new life. You have been saved. So is the way of Jesus a great disturbance? It depends on who you ask. The way of Jesus is a great disturbance to those who think they are untouchable. The way of Jesus is a great disturbance to those who approach life only with self-interest and those who think they are always in the right and never in the wrong. The way of Jesus is a great disturbance to those people. The way of Jesus is a great disturbance for those who don't know what it means to change their mind about something. For those who don't think they need to change their mind about something. And for those who never 
change their mind about something. Why is the way of Jesus a great disturbance for those people? It's because the way of Jesus, the invitation of the baptism of John, the invitation of the baptism of Jesus is that we are to repent, change our mind, change our ways. The way of Jesus is a great disturbance for those who seek profits over people, for those who desire control over cooperation, for those who implement restrictions without taking responsibility. The way of Jesus is a great disturbance depending on who you ask. Perhaps we're finding ourselves in a position right now where we need to let the way of Jesus disturb us a little bit. It needs to disturb me. I don't think that if I didn't really desire for God to give me his eyes, his heart, his mind, then I don't think I would have shared what I shared earlier about those two young men. I needed to be disturbed. I needed to be disrupted in order for us to think like that, talk like that, pray like that, feel that. So I, I want to encourage. I, I, I want to encourage us. I, this has been a heavy morning. In the heaviness, God meets us. In the, in the embarrassment and in the shame and in the, in the moment where we're like, oh my goodness, how on earth have I, been, have I done this for so long? It is in these moments where Jesus says, it sounds like you're weary and burdened. It sounds like you're a little heavy. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light and easy. God will help us.